Today I start uh, the series, The Government and the Kingdom. The Government and the Kingdom. And I thank um, God and thank Apostle for allowing me now to speak on Sundays. Uh, On Wednesdays, I will continue to do the series of the Wisdoms for Daughters of God uh, sporadically. Um, And on on Sundays, my focus will be more on not only what God wants me to speak on, but my focus also will be more on the prophetic, which is definitely my heartbeat. But today is the series, The Government and the Kingdom. And today's lesson, which is actually an introductory lesson, is the function and the operations of the kingdom. The functions and the operations of the kingdom. Amen? Amen. So, we're going to dive right into it for time's sake. And we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 12 and 1. 1 Corinthians 12 and 1. Now remember, we're talking about the function and the operations of the kingdom. 1 Corinthians 12 and 1. Now, it says, now concerning, now this is Paul talking. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Now, I know, like, why would we start there? We've read the scripture time and time and time again. This particular scripture um, I decided to start with because, like I said, we're trying to understand how the kingdom functions, how the kingdom operates. And he starts off with, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren. Now, I do know this about the spirit, that if the spirit... We know that the Spirit inspired the apostles to not only do what they do, but the Spirit inspired the apostles to write everything that we read now in the Bible concerning some of the books in the um, New Testament. So I do know this about the Spirit. If the Spirit would inspire Paul to make a statement like that, He would not leave us ignorant when he begins a sentence just like that. Not only would he not leave us ignorant concerning spiritual matters, we have to know if the Spirit is inspiring Paul, what is the Spirit? The Holy Spirit is what? The Spirit of truth. So if he's inspiring inspiring Paul to say this right here, we know that, guess what? Some spiritual truth is getting ready to come out of it right after what he just said. Is that not correct? So following verse 1, following after that statement, Paul, by the Holy Spirit, what he begins to do, he begins to supply the Corinthians with all the necessary information to eradicate, which means to get rid of any spiritual ignorance that they may have concerning how the, the spirit operates. He, he, he begins to tell them um, all the things that they need to hear concerning any spiritual misconceptions that they may have about how the spirit operates. And then he, be, he also begins to supply them with anything religious 
that's been holding them captive as far as the law is concerned that he needs to get rid of in order for them to move in the right direction. Amen? Now, <clears throat> we know that we are full gospel children of God in here. Full gospel, all right? And we know a great deal, what, about the gifts of the Spirit, do we not? We know a lot of information about the gifts of the Spirit, but we have yet to tap into how the Spirit operates, how the Spirit moves. We know information about the Spirit. We know information about the gifts, but we don't know how it operates and we don't know how it moves. And that's why I'm doing this lesson today so we'll have some knowledge and some understanding how they operate and they work together, amen? One of my examples so you can see what I'm talking about, let's think about vitamin C. We know a lot about vitamin C, don't we? It helps the immune system. It also helps with bone formation, does it not? <laughs> we know a whole lot about vitamin C, also good for skin health as well. But the function and the, the operation on how vitamin C operates, we don't know a lot of information on that, for instance. Do you know that vitamin C is never stored in the body? Your body does not store vitamin C. Even when you eat it, it uses it, but it doesn't store it. Which means that you have to take vitamin C every single day because the body does not produce it, neither does the body store vitamin C. So you have to take it every single day. Also, did you know concerning vitamin C that when vitamin C is exposed to heat, it loses its potency? Which means this, anything that you cook that has vitamin C in it has now lost its vitamin C. You have to take anything that you want to eat, that you want your body to absorb vitamin C, it has to be in raw form. You have to take it in raw form, fruits, vegetable, but it cannot be in heated form because it loses its potency once you heat it. And so that's what I'm talking about when I say we know a lot of information about a lot of things, but we are yet to understand how things function and how they operate in order to get the maximum capacity of that thing in which we're trying to do. Amen? Amen. Another example, olive oil. Now, we know, if we're thinking about just knowledge, that olive oil is good for, to prevent strokes, it's good for heart disease, amen? It's good also, they say, to help with Alzheimer's as well. But do we know, for instance, that when we buy olive oil, we have to buy 100% extra virgin? Now, 100% extra virgin olive oil has, is olive oil that has not been exposed or processed by heat. 
which means that it's carrying all of its properties that you need in it. And not only that, it tells you not to allow olive oil to be exposed to light because it also loses its ability to be potent when you expose it to light. So that's why a lot of times when you find olive oil in a bottle, it's in a dark bottle. It tells you to store it in a dry, in a warm, and not a warm, a dry in a dark place because of that, because the more exposure it gets to light, it loses its potency. So if you would ever buy olive oil, just make sure it's not in a clear bottle, because trust me, all of the properties are not there anymore. It's gone. Also, you can only, once it's open, you can only store it for three to six months. Then it begins to become acidic. It loses its property, it becomes acidic. So this is what I'm talking about when I'm saying we know information, but we haven't gone further than knowledge. We have to go further than knowledge. That's, that's what I'm talking about. We go to knowledge and acts as if, and we be like, well, why is this not working? Because you didn't go to understanding. And then from understanding, you go to wisdom, which is applied knowledge. You begin to apply it to your life. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to make an examination of what Paul is teaching the Corinthian church. And so we're going to start with 1 Corinthians 12, 4, and 6. Now I'm going to go into a little bit of a teaching mode. <laughs> and so I have these highlighted for a reason. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 6. I have the verse 4 highlighted with green, I have verse 5 highlighted with gray, and I have verse 6 highlighted with yellow. Now, I have these highlighted like that because we're going to break every single one of these verses down so that we can get an understanding what the functions and the operations actually look like concerning these scriptures. Now, let's read it first. It says, now there are diversity with an S of gifts but the same spirit. Verse 5, there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which works all in all. Amen? So what is Paul saying? Well, we know that the gifts that he is referring to in verse four, where it says there's diversity of gifts. We know that the gifts, the diversity of gifts that he's talking about, we know those diversity of gifts are the nine gifts of the spirit that he's referring to in this scripture. And those verses are found, I mean, those gifts are found in 1 Corinthians 12, eight through 10. We're going to that scripture next. 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. And it says, For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith. I want you guys to, when you guys see the word by the same Spirit, I want you to say it, okay, when you see that. So let's start over. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. 
to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse, diverse types of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. This is 1 Corinthians 12 and 4, the expanded version. This is, this verse right here, 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10, what we just read is connected to 1 Corinthians 12 and 4 that we just read. It expanded the verse. Now, verse 5, remember, we're going to break these down. Now, remember what verse 5 said. Verse 5 said that there are differences of what? Administrations. But it didn't say the same spirit. It said the same Lord. Okay? Because we got to pay attention to the words in which the Father uses. He don't waste words like we waste them. When he says a word, it's, it's, it's the reason why he changes words up and he mentions words. He said, but the same Lord this time. So to understand what Paul is talking about in this particular verse, which is verse 5, we, have to, we need the expanded version just like we needed previously. So the expanded version of verse 5 is found in Ephesians 4 and 8 and verse 11. So let's read that. And it says, Wherefore, he said, when he... Who was he? They're talking about Jesus Christ. When he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts unto men, verse 11, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers. So in other words, what is he saying here? There are different administrations Administrations is another word for offices. There are different administrations or offices in the body of Christ, such as the apostle, the prophet, the teacher, the evangelist, but it is the same Lord, meaning Jesus Christ, who ascended on high and gave gifts or offices to men. So Jesus Christ himself... When he ascended, there's three things that he did. He led the captives free. The second things he did was he gave gifts to men. Then the third thing he did, then he turned around and gave the church gifts, which were the fivefold ministry. So he did three things. So we're going to verse 6 now. Keep following me. We're going somewhere. And then it's, remember what verse 6 says? Verse 6 says that there were diversities of operation. So we went from diversity of gifts to diversity of administrations to diversity of operations. So if there are eight operations in the kingdom, and I know you're like, well, how did you come up with eight? If we combine the fivefold ministry with the administration, we get what we call the operations of the kingdom. Now, the reason why it said that there was diversity of operations, but now this time it says what? It didn't say but the same spirit, neither did it say the same Lord, but this time it said the same God. 
The same God working all in all. So what is Paul simply saying in 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 6? I have a visual for you. He's saying this. When he was talking about verse 4, he said that the Holy Spirit is in charge of how the nine gifts of the Spirit operate and the Holy Spirit is in charge of how the fivefold ministry gifts operate, meaning how they move. The Holy Spirit is in charge of that. Verse 5, when he says, when he talks about the diversities of administration, but the same Lord, we know Jesus Christ is Lord. Because we just read right there what he did once he ascended upon high, what he did with that. And so Jesus Christ is what I call the delegator. He's the one that gives every single person their calling, and he's the one that gives every single person their position. So Jesus Christ is the one who calls you and then says, okay, you're going to be placed in Divine Generation Church. You're going to be placed at this church. You're going to be placed at that church. He's over that. Then when he talked about verse 6, it said God, it, what did it say? When it came to the diversity of operations, it says it's the same God working all in all. Why would he say that? Because God the Father is the author of the whole operations. That's why the operations is the gifts combined with the administration because God is over all of it. He's over the whole operation. So it is God the Father who gives the blueprint and he gives the purposes. He's the one that sits on high and he's over the whole, and that's why it says operations, but the same God. He's working, and that's another reason why he said working all in all, because he's working himself, he's working it all. He's in the Holy Spirit. He's in the fivefold ministry. He's in the calling. He's in the position. He's in the blueprints. He's in the purpose. He's in all of it. Amen. So now we're going to go into how the gifts of the Spirit qualify the fivefold office. Now, what did we say the nine gifts of the Spirit were? I got a list up here for you guys. We said that the gifts of the Spirit were the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the gifts of faith, the gifts of healing, the gift of the working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, diverse kinds of tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. These are the nine gifts of the Spirit. So let's get into the part of the government of God that talks about how, how the nine gifts qualify the fivefold ministry office. Now, it was the Father's intentions. It was the Father's intentions for every person called to one of the fivefold ministry offices to preach the word with signs following. God never intended for the preaching of the word to have no effect 
and to be powerless. So, I'm going to show you proof of it, and then we're going to go into our first prophetic demonstration. We're going to read two scriptures. We're going to read three scriptures. Two of them are one. Two of them are different versions of one another. So let's start with Mark 16 and 20, the message version, and it says, "And the disciples went everywhere preaching. The master working right with them." validating the message with indisputable evidence. Now, keep that word in mind. Indisputable evidence, because we're coming back to that word. 1 Corinthians 2 and 4, King James versions. And it says, and my speech, this is Paul talking, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of what? The spirit and the power of God. Amen? Now, let's go to the Amplified Version because the Amplified Version really breaks this thing down. And it says, and my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom using clever rhetoric because how many of us know Paul was a scholar? So he can put some stuff together if he wanted to. But he said, I didn't use any of that. I didn't use none of my scholar stuff. He said, you know, when I preached, it was God all the way through and through. Amen. He says, but they, but they were delivered in what? In demonstration of the Holy Spirit operating through me and of his power, meaning the stirring of the minds of the listeners and persuading them. So. It is the Father's intentions and his workings with the Spirit is what validates every fivefold office calling. And then after validating the called, he gives indisputable evidence. So, what is indisputable evidence, you say? I'm glad you asked. Y'all asking all the right questions. I thank you for that. Let's go into our first prophetic demonstration. Now, remember... We're talking about when the Father gives you gifts for an office, it comes with indisputable evidence. First one, prophetic demonstration. Apostle, are you free? I'm going to have Apostle stand right here before you. Now, we're talking about indisputable evidence. And the gifts working with the person to validate that they are actually called to that office. Indisputable evidence. Now, what is indisputable evidence? Indisputable evidence is this, that when the apostle begins to speak and the spirit begins to stir up, let's just say he has the gift of wisdom and the gift of faith. The evidence of that is that what your faith begins to increase and correct doctrine is given to you through wisdom and the word spoken through the apostle begins the process of the renewal of your mind. Because something that you have been what battling in your mind all your life having the wrong perspective 
or belief about something that has held you captive is now being corrected in your mindset when he begins to speak. And the right information is given to you for what? Real life application. Because that's what wisdom is, that's what wisdom is. Real life application. So if the gift of wisdom is in him, guess what? Your indisputable evidence should look like this. Your life should begin to change because your mind is changing. So that is what indisputable evidence looks like when the apostle begins to speak. Thank you, Apostle. <laughs> Miss Renee, what is indisputable evidence? Thank you, Apostle. What is indisputable evidence? <laughs> indisputable evidence. Come a little right here, front and center, Miss Renee. Now, when the teacher begins to speak, and the spirit begins to stir up her gift. Let's just say she has the gift of knowledge and the gift of diverse types of tongues. The evidence of that is when the teacher begins to speak, the maintenance of what the apostle has already spoken and reinforced of the word of God to give strength to the new believer's mindset. So this is how this looks. Let's just say for instance, Keep, yeah, stand right there. <laughs> so let's just say this. Say that your marriage is up and down and on the brinks of separation. And then the right information is given to you from the apostle on what marriage is actually supposed to look like. You apply that to yourself and to your life and your situation and your marriage. And guess what? Your marriage begins to change. Now, when the teacher comes behind the apostle and begins to teach on the things in which the apostle has already spoken upon, this is what we call maintenance. So, for instance, we may have a marriage conference here, and the teacher will begin to talk about different things concerning marriage. Why is she doing that? She's helping you to maintain what you already have received in regards to the change. Amen? And that is what indisputable evidence looks like when the teacher speaks. Thank you, Ms. Renee. Pastor Kirby. Hallelujah. All right. Pastor Kirby. That when the pastor begins to speak, remember, indisputable evidence. And the spirit begins to stir up. Let's just say the father has graced him with the gift of love and the gift of faith. The evidence of that is when the pastor begins to speak, there is a conviction of the heart that is turned towards repentance. The breaking up of the stony places of the heart and the casting out of fear by the power of love. So, for instance, I may come bound up in my heart to service, and I have an issue in my heart that nobody has been able to penetrate, and I begin to heal when he begins to speak. And I may hear a message taught by the pastor on forgiveness, and I feel convicted through his message to the point that I forgive my father for hurting me. 
And that is what indisputable evidence looks like when the pastor speaks. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Pastor Kirby. Miss Kena, I need somebody to represent for the prophets. <laughs> All right. Now, what does indisputable evidence look like when the prophet speaks? When the prophet speaks and the spirit begins to stir up her gift of prophecy, we're going to say she has the gift of prophecy and the gift of discerning of spirits. The evidence of that is through the prophet. You obtain the ability through the preaching and the teaching of the word to be able to hear your, your father's voice and begin to open up the eyes of your heart through a prophetic word that is given to you. So that now you have what? Some direction that you should be going and you begin to know who you are in Christ because you begin to gain an understanding and the wisdom around how your father speaks to you. You begin to understand how to even listen for his voice. And then you also begin to understand how to even interpret what he is saying through dreams and through visions. And guess what? What is that indisputable evidence? The indisputable evidence is when the prophet begins to teach and begins to preach is that now you can hear your father speak to you. You know how to listen for directions and instructions and reproof, all of that you begin to do. And guess what? Now, it might have been 2021, I had absolutely no understanding or no direction as far as what I should be doing. But now the fact that I can hear my father telling me go right or go left, the indisputable evidence of that is that now I have instructions. I can see where God has taken me. Amen? Amen. And that is what indisputable evidence looks like when the prophet is speaking. Amen. Thank you. Evangelist Ola, if you would join us. <laughs> Once again, happy birthday. <laughs> Amen. All right, what does indisputable evidence look like when the evangelist begins to speak and to teach the word of God? The spirit begins to stir up her gifts. Let's say she has the gift of healing and the working of miracles. The evidence of that is that it's the translation of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light through discipleship and deliverance. The removal of the scales from the eyes and the beginning of the gift of healing that begins to take place in my inner man. I have entered into the kingdom. So I may be, for instance, on my job or with a friend somewhere where I work with or anything. And after a while, we begin to talk about God being your father. That leads us into a salvation prayer. And the receiving of the spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, which begins to help me get the life in Christ that was hid from me when I was in darkness. So when the evangelist begins to speak, deliverance takes place.
The scales begin to fall from your eyes. You begin to get enlightened by the word of God because now what? You have entered into the kingdom. You are no longer a part of the kingdom of darkness. You are no longer bound with different types of spirits. Now you are what? Being discipled. And you have entered into the kingdom of God to get the life that God has for you. And so that is what indisputable evidence looks like when the evangelist begins to teach and to preach. Amen? Amen. Now, this and more are the validations of the gospel spoken through the fivefold ministry or the offices is what we call, and the indisputable evidence in which God intends for his fivefold ministry to operate in. So the spiritual gifts do what? They empower the ministry office of the fivefold ministry the same way that a power plant supplies power to the various appliances, what? In your own house. Now, all of your appliances in your house are not connected to several different types of power sources, okay? They're connected to one power source, even though the appliances are different in, in which and way you use them. Is that not correct? So guess what? There's a power cord that runs to another apostle. There's a power cord that runs through the prophet. There's a power cord that runs through the pastor. But each ministry office is hooked up to the same spirit. Just like all the appliances will be hooked up to the same power source or the same power grid. Amen? Amen. So, these blends of spiritual gifts working in the fivefold ministry are what I, what I was telling you guys before, what qualifies a person to stand in a ministry office and their gifts determine what office they actually should be in. Now, we're going to go through three scriptures, then we're going to go through another prophetic demonstration. Let's see... All right, now, bear with me, because like I said, we're going somewhere. We're going to read these scriptures to get um, a better understanding as far as, remember, how the kingdom operates, how the kingdom functions. That is why we are here today to hear this message, to gain an understanding and a visual picture. First one is Romans 12 and 3. It says, five. For by the grace of God given to me, I say to every one of you, not to think more highly of himself and of his importance and ability than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has appointed to each a degree of faith, hallelujah, and a purpose designed for service. So the thing about God is this. He says, don't make yourself, don't think that you're more important than you are. Now, he's not saying that you're not important, but he's saying you're not important than the next person that's sitting next to you. You're not more important than your neighbor. Even though we say we have the fivefold ministry, but that doesn't mean the fivefold ministry is more important than you. But what God is for is he's for order. He's saying that, look, when it comes to all of you, all of you are my children, but I still need order. I still need order. So 
Let's go to the next one because, and I'm telling you this because what we're getting ready to go into when we do the second demonstration. Philippians 2, 1 through 4, the message version. It says, if you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside. Let's read that together. We're going to start with put. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. Amen. This right here is really the answer to depression. Because when you depress, it's all about you. What you got going on, what's not going on in your life, what, how you should think things should be going, why God not answering you. It's all about you, you, you. You so inside of your head that you depress. This is the answer to depression right here. You don't need no, 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 no Xanax and no, medica no medication for this. All you need to do is get outside yourself long enough to help somebody else. When you help somebody else, it will make you take a step back and look at your situation objectively and say, I thank God. I thank God. I'm telling you the truth. Go down there and help some of them homeless people. Go down there to the domestic violence shelter and see them women. I'm telling you, you're going to go home with another perception. A whole nother perception. You're going to go home thanking God for your situation. Amen. 1 Corinthians 12, 14 through 26. Now, this is a long one, but it's necessary. So like I said, bear with me because we're going somewhere. And it says, I want you to think about how all this makes you more significant, not less. A body isn't just a single part blown up into something huge. It's all the different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. If the foot said, I'm not elegant like the hand, embellished with rings, I guess I don't belong to the body. Would that make it so? If the ear said, I'm not beautiful like the eyes, transparent and expressive, I don't deserve a place on the head, would you want to remove it from your body? If the body was all one eye, how could you hear? If all could hear, how could you smell? And it is, we see that God has carefully placed each part of the body right where he wanted it. But I also want you to think about how this keeps your significance from getting blown into self-importance, meaning pride. For no matter how significant you are, it is only because of what you are a part of. So your significance is predicated upon what you are a part of. There's nothing significant about my arm 
if it's off of my body. The significance of my arm is because it's a part of my body and it picks things up when I need it for it to be picked up. That is what makes the arm important. But if my arm is off of my body, it's good for nothing. Nothing at all. And so it says, for no matter how significant you are, it is only because of what you are a part of. An enormous eye or a gigantic hand wouldn't be a body, it would be a monster. So if we all were prophets in here, this would be one big monster. It's a reason why we're all different in here. And how God has designed this thing. He didn't make no mistake when he designed stuff. God doesn't make mistakes when he do things. He's meticulous about the things that he does. Just like when he put your body together. He says what we have, where am I? No part is more important on its own. Can you, where am I, where am I, where am I? Where is it? What we have is one body with many parts, each is proper size, and not only is in its correct place, it's, a, it's in its proper size, and it is in its proper place. No part is important on its own. Can you imagine the eye telling the hand to get lost? I don't need you. Or the head telling the foot, you're fired. Your job has been phased out. We don't need you, foot. Don't need to walk no more. You gone. <laughs> As a matter of fact, in practice, it works the other way around. The lower the part, the more basic and therefore necessary. You can live without an eye, for instance, but not without a stomach. When it's a part of your own body you are concerned with, it makes no difference whether the part is visible or clothed. It don't matter. There's parts of me that you see right now, like my hands, my head, but there's parts of me that you will never begin to see because those are pro private parts. But that doesn't mean they're insignificant because you can't see them. Actually, like he said, it works the other way around. Because you, the parts that you cannot see are the most important parts. Amen? He said, it makes no difference whether the part is visible or the part is clothed, higher or lower. You give it dignity and honor just as it is without comparison. We don't, it's the thing, the thing he's trying to get us to see is that we don't even compare our own body. Who would do that? We don't sit around comparing, oh my God, look at my hand. My hand is definitely not as good looking as my leg. We don't sit around and compare our body parts, so why would we compare ourselves in the body of Christ? We do what? We give each part of our body dignity and honor. We give our hands honor. We give our feet honor. We don't do no comparison. Uh, we don't, we don't, the, the hand is not jealous of the leg. So guess what? There should be no jealousy in the body. So, if anything, you have more concern for the lower parts than the higher. If you had to choose, wouldn't you prefer good digestion to full-bodied hair? The way God designed our bodies, that is the part that blew me away, is a model 
for understanding our lives together as a church. So every time you look in the mirror at your body, I told you the Father is always speaking, but are we listening? You should see the church. You should see the church when you see your body. He says, the parts we mention are the parts and the parts we don't, the parts we see and the parts we don't. If one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. If one part flourishes, even other part enters into the exuberance. <laughs> he said if one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt. Let's think about our bodies. If I hurt my right hand, which is also my dominant hand for writing, the rest of me is, going, is not going to be like, well, just my right hand hurt. It's not going to be like that. All, every part of me is going to be hurting, not in, in form of pain, but it's going to be deficient because my right hand is not operating like it's supposed to. So if it's in a cast and I can't use it and say I go and I trip and I fall, I would normally, if I had the use of my right hand, I would brace myself and I would catch my fall, would I not? But if I trip and I fall and I only have one hand, then how effective am I going to be in regards to me making sure that I don't fall on the ground? I would be almost very ineffective because I don't have my right hand. So when one part of us is hurt, all the rest of the parts is hurt. Even if my hand is, is, is not working, my mind also, my head and my mind is also going through. Because now I'm thinking, well, how am I going to sign my name? Well, how am I going to write my name? Well, how am I going to eat? I'm going to have to start using Now guess what? The left hand is like, I'm not used to this. <laughs> I'm not used to this. I'm not used to doing this, so guess what? This is what happens a lot of time in the church. We got people who are not supposed to be doing things, but they're doing it because other people are off their post. And it hurts the body when you do that. It hurts the whole body when you're doing that. So now I would normally be on this post or normally be a part of the worship team, but now because somebody else is off of their post, it hurts me in doing what God called me to do because now I got to help out in this area. And it happens. Prophetic demonstration. I need the whole fivefold ministry right here. Chad, if you would do me a favor and bring me that uh, box right there. I'm going to also need you to, Terry. Apostle. Renee. Glad you at the end, Terry. Now, 
demonstration. So we have an apostle with the soup. <laughs> we have the apostle with the soup. And so let's just say he's the soup. And he's just bragging about himself. I'm the soup. I'm the meal. You know, you know, you need me for nourishment. You know what I'm saying? You need me in order to live, because you're not going to live without getting the soup, right? He's like, y'all need me. I'm the soup, okay? And then we got the teacher bragging about herself. She was like, well, it's all good that you the soup apostle, but you ain't got nothing to eat it with. You need a spoon if you're going to get that soup in you. So you can talk about all you want to about being the soup, but you're going to need a spoon. Some, because you can't, you can't eat it with your hand, right? <laughs> Amen. And so we got the bowl. And the bowl's like, well, y'all talking about y'all the soup and y'all the spoon, but I'm the bowl. Y'all need something to put that in. You plan on eating it out the can? I'm the bowl. You need me, especially if you're going to use the soup or you're going to use the spoon. Then we got the salt. And the salt says, well... Y'all go ahead on talking about you the bowl and you the soup and you the spoon and all that. But guess what? You're not going to enjoy it unless you get a little bit of salt in this because it's for taste. You got to enjoy it. You got to enjoy it when you eat it, don't you? <laughs> she was like, because I'm the salt. I'm trying to hear what y'all saying. And so we got over here, we got the pepper. The pepper is like... Okay, I hear what y'all saying. You the soup, you the spoon, and you the bowl, and you the, and you the salt. I get it, but guess what? If you got too much salt, you need to balance that out. <laughs> you need to balance it out, okay? Because you get too much salt, you're not going to enjoy it, number one, and then you're not going to eat it if it's too salty. So you need me, I'm the pepper. I bring a little spice to you, <laughs> and I make it happen because... I make sure that the salt is balanced out so you can enjoy the meal. And then we got the plate. Let's go symbolize my plate. And she's like, y'all talking all this madness down here. Now what she is symbolizing, they're symbolizing the fivefold. She's representing the body of Christ right here. She's representing y'all when you come in. And she's like, y'all talking all that stuff right there about you the soup and you the spoon and you the bowl and the salt and the pepper. She said, but I need to eat. I need a meal right here. Y'all bragging about everything y'all got going on right there. But I'm, I'm right here. I'm thirsty. I'm hungry. I need a meal. I need to eat. And so the thing about it is this. The purpose of this is not come down this way. Okay. The purpose of this is not for the soup to brag about himself or for the spoon to brag about herself or the bowl to brag or the salt, the pepper, or even part of the body of Christ to brag. This is the purpose of all of this. Bring the, the bowl. Set it. Bring the, the soup. Put it right in there. <laughs> Bring the spoon, the salt, the pepper. <laughs> the purpose is to serve. So that she can eat. 
Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Amen. 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 Now you can see how that could possibly go wrong if we just had the soup. With nothing to eat with, nothing to season it with, didn't have a bowl. But this is the dilemma that the church is in right now. We need the fivefold ministry. We need the functioning and the operations of all of these things. We need all of these things to come together. Now, we're getting ready to go into what I call the, because we talked about the gifts. We talked about the administrations. And so we need to go into the eight operations of God. Now, remember when I said when it comes to the operations, the operations are the gifts combined with the administration, and then we have the operations of God. Now, let's go to 1 Corinthians 12, 27 through 28. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 through 28 says, Now you collectively, meaning all of us, are Christ's body. And individually, you are the members of it, each with his own special purpose and function. So God has appointed and placed in the church for his own use, first, apostles chosen by Christ, second, prophets, those who foretell the future, those who speak a new message from God to the people, Third, teachers, then those who work miracles, then those with the gifts of healing, the helpers, the administrators, and speakers in various kinds of unknown tongues. Now, if you see, particularly in this verse, you don't see mentioned the evangelist or the teacher, but it actually is mentioned in here. The evangelist and the teacher are actually mentioned in here, but this was what I told you. This is the operations. This is the combination. It literally combined all of the gifts with all of the administrations together. And so this is like what we call a summary. So we talked about the first, um, the five-fold ministry. And now, so let us talk about the helps. Let's, we need to talk about administration, and we need to talk about the speakers of various tongues. Now, the helps in the church handle the physical and the material aspects of the ministry, such as hospitality and greeting, children's church workers, We'll soon to have, as we get bigger, parking volunteers, praise and worship leaders, ushers, media volunteers. Those that are called into this area have the capacity in their character to serve and reinforce the establishment of the ministry. So these people help to reinforce what the five-fold ministry is doing. It's like the, you know, when you um, build a house, they have to put enforcement beams in the house to make sure that the house stands. So we have these things in the ministry to reinforce what we have going on here. 
Also, when it talks about the gift of administration, because we can have the gift of administration, it includes the organizational skills and the gifts that the church needs. The gift of administration, for instance, if we give it an example, gives the person called to this operation. They can organize a massive prayer conference. They know exactly everything we need for the prayer conference. They know exactly what we going, what all the um the what we're gonna need for the, the 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 volunteers. They make sure we have all the volunteers. They make sure we have all the speakers. They make sure we have all the foods because because they have the gift of organization. So. Both helps and administration support those who minister the word of God by doing many natural things that the fivefold ministry just does not have the time to do because majority of the time the fivefold ministry is in prayer. They're writing out messages. They might be praying for people, praying for themselves and stuff. And so what they do, they help out in places where they, they the helps and administration help out in places in the church that the fivefold ministry can't get to because they spend their time studying the word in order to feed the sheep amen, amen. now we're going to talk about this last piece which is the diverse types of tongues before we get to the last prophetic demonstration and we will be complete today we're talking about diversity of tongues, but before we talk about diversity of tongues, we have to talk about just tongues in general because there is no diversity of tongues if you don't have tongues so we need tongues before we even can get to the diversity of tongues. So tongues is the language of the kingdom. Repeat after me. Tongues is the language of the kingdom. Every country has a language. Tongues is the language of the kingdom. And it is the part of the foundation of the whole administration of God. So we're going to read four scriptures. And then uh, we're going to get into our last prophetic demonstration. Amen. Amen. So let's do 2 Timothy 1 and 6. And it says, this is why I remember, I remind you to fan into flames. Now, this is actually Paul's letter to Timothy. He said, this is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands upon you. So what is he saying? He said, look, when I came to you, I laid my hands upon you and imparted a gift to you. He says, so he's telling him he during a time that Timothy's spirit is low. He said, I'm reminding you, you need to speak in tongues in order to build up the gift that I gave you when I put my hands upon you. I'm reminding you of what I gave you and not only what I gave you to flan to fan into flames the spiritual gifts, what that means is you need to start speaking in tongues in order to activate the gift and to build yourself up. 1 Corinthians 14 and 2. It says, For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God. And that's why I say tongues is the language of the kingdom. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. Then Romans 8 and 26 says, likewise, the spirit helps us in our weaknesses. If you're suffering in certain parts of your life or in your spirit or in your, in your inner man, 
and you feel like those parts are the weaker parts, guess what? The Spirit's supposed to help with that. We do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And then 1 Corinthians 14 and 4 says, the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. So guess what? If you, if you feel like your spirit is low, you need to build your spirit man up. If you feel down and depressed and low and you feel like the day is just dragging, when was the last time that you spoke in tongues for a couple of hours? It says that the, the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. So prophecy, when prophecy goes forth, that builds the church up. When tongues goes forth for yourself, it builds you up. Each one of them is, is erecting the build and is building it up. We build up the church with prophecy. We build up ourselves with tongues. Amen? Amen? So tongues are the entry level to the operation of the spiritual gifts that empower the various offices and the callings in the body of Christ. Speaking in other tongues is designed to equip us from the inside out. So if a person refuses tongues, then they can't activate their gift. They can't build themselves up to do what God has called them to do. And they are not praying out the mysteries that brings their destinies to them supernaturally. Now, I hear a lot of people say, well, of course, does the gifts and calling of God come without repentance? Yes, it does. But there is a such thing as you using, if you don't have tongues and you're not building yourself up concerning that gift, there is a such thing as operating in your gift dysfunctionally. Well, you know that we can be in families and they can be dysfunctional, but guess what? It's still, it's going, huh? It's still working, it's still going, even though we're in a dysfunctional family. The, the, the system of the family don't shut down because it's dysfunctional. It's working, but it's working dysfunctionally. And so that's what happens when you're not praying in tongues and you're operating in your gift and you don't have tongues. Is the gift working? Yes, because it comes without repentance. But is it working functionally how God designed it to work? No, it's not. It's dysfunctional. So, how do all of these pieces connect that we just talked about? How do all these pieces connect to the believer, those who are part of the body of Christ? In connection, now I'm getting ready to mention something that you guys can, um, I'm not going to go into it though because it's a whole nother lesson into itself. But all the pieces that connect together to a believer, actually we just talked about, is in connection with what we call the seven mountains of influence, which is... These are the seven mountains of influence, religion, family, education, government, media, business, and entertainment. So how do all of these pieces fit together with the body of Christ and those that are called to the seven mountains of influence? Let us see. All right, last prophetic demonstration. Um, Chad, if you could bring that underneath the chair, yeah. The carpet. This is the last prophetic demonstration. 
and just spread it out right here in the front. Yep, then you move it to the, towards the middle. And I'm gonna need the five-fold ministry to come back up here and um, I'm hoping I can get everybody on the carpet. <laughs> and let's see. All right, Chad, if you can assist me. We're gonna put all these pieces together. Amen. So the first thing that we have, I need to move around. It's the carpet that they're standing on. The carpet here represents Christ. It represents the foundation that they stand on. Each one of them have to stand on the foundation, which is Christ. Now, inside of this foundations are a couple of things. Inside of this um, foundation of Christ, there's love. And the things that I'm mentioning in the foundations are things that you have to be developing in. It's a must in order for you to be operating in your maximum capacity in which God has called you to do. So they're standing on Christ because you can't go nowhere without the revelation of Christ. They're standing on the revelation and the foundation of Christ. And in that foundation, there is love. In that foundation, there is the kingdom. In that foundation is the correct or intent or purpose that leads to the perception or the lenses that you see the word of God through. What is that perception in this ministry? The relationship. That God is your father. That Jesus Christ is your brother. And that you have been adopted and you are children of God. And you need that for correct perception as you go through the Bible when you read it. Because if you don't have the right perception, then everything else is off. In that foundation um, is also, also what the kingdom consists of, which is righteousness, peace, and joy. In what? The Holy Ghost. So, we have the foundation. The foundation is set. Um, another thing that's in a foundation is Christ being the cornerstone. And the reason why that's in the foundation, because these are what we call lively stones. We are lively stones, and we cannot set the stones in this proper place unless the cornerstone is where it's supposed to be. Because we gauge where we're supposed to, the lively stones are supposed to go. Um, based off of where, where the cornerstone is placed. Amen? Now, we have this. Now, what I want you to do, and I want you just to place these on, in the front of the carpet. And so what we have now, this is gonna, these are going to represent the fruit of the Spirit. Without the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts that they have is not operating correctly. The fruit of the Spirit is what we call the, the character or the growth of the person, that their character is growing. You don't want nobody 
prophesying to you or teaching you and they don't have a good heart. You don't want nobody, no apostle, no pastor, no teacher, no prophet. You don't want nobody teaching you. And guess what? They don't have no gentleness. Put it right in there. You don't want nobody teaching you who don't have no self-control. You don't want nobody teaching you who don't have any peace. You don't want nobody teaching you who don't have no patience because you're going to need a lot of it. <laughs> they going to need a lot and you're going to need a lot. <laughs> you don't want nobody teaching you who don't have no kindness. And you don't want nobody teaching you who who not faithful to nothing. Because guess what? Like the Bible said, they're going to be like a hired hand. And soon as trouble comes, they're going to jet right out of here. So you want somebody who's going to be faithful to the ministry. You don't want nobody with no joy. Because when they come in here, they're going to have a dry message. And guess what? They're going to be giving that dry message to you. And your, your life going to be dry, too. <laughs> we don't want that. And you definitely, we mentioned, you definitely don't want nobody who don't have no love. That's one of the fruits of the Spirit. <laughs> and last but not least, you don't want nobody teaching that don't have no goodness. These are the fruit of the Spirit that not only the fivefold, but all of us, but especially the fivefold, these things should be developing in them in order to make sure that the gifts are operating at the maximum capacity. Amen? Stay right there. Because um, now what we're also looking at here, the reason why I'm doing this is to see how this thing functions and how it operates all together. I want you to remember that. So. Evangelist, apostle, teacher, pastor, prophet. Now, the boxes, the boxes symbolize that they are a gift. To the ministry just like when I read in scripture that Christ not only gave gifts to men now the gift bags that you see inside the boxes represent the gifts that God has given to each and every one of the fivefold ministry and just for like I said for demonstration's sake I'm saying I wanted to use all of the nine gifts of the spirit and so um and and the reason there's nine but there's ten here because of course love is supposed to be in all things and so i added that one to it to make ten and so each one of them god specifically has given them gifts now remember we went through the indisputable evidence 
of that gift, and those gifts actually qualify them for their office. And I'm pretty sure we know these people enough to know what their gifts are. And we, we know that according to their gift, it actually validates what they were called to do. When we talk about, for instance, Pastor Kirby, we talk, um, Pastor Kirby has literally an extra dose of love in him. <laughs> he does. But you have to understand that just because you know that and you've, you've had interactions with Pastor Kirby, you should know that God has definitely gift and called him to be a pastor because a real true pastor has an extra dose of love for the sheep. Amen. When it comes to the prophet, you know that a prophet is called when they have the gift of prophecy in their mouth. But remember what I told you, those fruit right there got to be developed so that when I do prophesy, I'm prophesying out of love. I'm prophesying out of self-control. I need those fruits of the Spirit to make sure that I'm, the era of my prophecy stays in line. And then I'm not prophesying out of my own flesh. Amen? When we talk about the evangelist and we talk about the gifts that God has given unto her, God validates that he literally called her to do that. When she begins to lay hands on people and they begin to heal and get delivered, that is her validation that I was called to do this. The same with the teacher, that when she opens up her mouth, you know that she is called because revelation just starts coming out through the word in which the apostle has already spoken. You know when the you know a true this is how you know you know a true apostle is in your midst. Then when you begin to talk to him immediately, your mind begins to change. It's like your mind does a whole 360. And not only that, if you apply, if you apply what the apostle is telling you to do, your whole life will begin to change. Amen. All of this is working. Now, Chad, I want you to put two of these, and each you can even put it in a box or the bag. Two, everybody gets two. Now, how does all of this work together? What he's doing right now, he's giving just like God has. He says he's giving every man a measure of faith. He's giving every single man a measure of faith and, because he gave two, a measure of faith and a measure of grace. And not to say that that's all that you get, but he said, I'm, I start you off with what I want you to have in order for you to grow in more, but I have to start you off with a certain measure so that you not only know that you've been called to do this, but it like it empowers you to move forward to the point where you begin to say, uh, I know that God called me to do this. I know I'm frustrated. I may not know that I'm supposed to go left or right yet, but I know that God has called me to do something. You start, you start um, validating not only he validates you and you begin to validate what he already talked to you about and confirmed it based off of the measure of the faith and the measure of grace that he's given you not only to grow into what God has called you to do but to do 
what God has called you to do. Amen? Amen. Amen. So now, keep, keep staying, just be up there, you guys. I'm almost finished. Now, all of this is working together. Now, remember we talked about helps and administration. Now, if we add help and administrations to this, people who work with the children's church, those that work um, at the door, we add the watchmen, we add the intercessors, we add those that have the ability to organize things. Now we have the support that the ministry needs in order to function like it's supposed to. Because if we take the watchmen out and we take the intercessors out, if we take the children's church workers out, if we take the volunteers out, it puts a strain on the fivefold ministry. Now they can't fully, 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 fully go before God and say, I need a message for the people because now they got to help in kids' church. They got to help over here. They got to help over there. It's all, it's, it's one of those things like now it becomes a burden for them. Now they can't do what God called them to do. So we need every single part working and doing what it's supposed to do so the whole body is functioning like it's supposed to. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now the last piece of this, I'm going to get Terry to come back up. She is still representing, that's kind of crazy. <laughs> I'm saying that, your lawyer. <laughs> she is representing um, the body of Christ. She's representing all of us in here. Now, not every single person is called to the fivefold ministry. Now, remember I said, but that doesn't make you less significant. Because, but every person is called to one of the seven mountains. Now, the mountain that they're called to is the mountain of religion. And we're going to say that Terry is called to the mountain of government. Now, the thing about it is this. We went through the second demonstration with the soup and the spoon and everything to show you what the purpose of this really is. So, when it comes to the fivefold ministry, they're going to come together to make the meal so she can eat it. Once she eats the meal, guess what happens? She now has a full course meal to be the judge that God called her to be on the mountain that God has called her to influence. Amen. Now she has the fullness of God working in her through the fivefold ministry. So now that she is now in her proper place, that God has called her to the mountain of government to influence that mountain. They're influencing the mountain of religion. She's influencing the mountain of government. But she did it because they poured into her. Now that she has the fullness of Christ working in her, and now she can influence the governmental aspects and the sector of the government, the governmental sector. Now, we got to add the third part, the last part to this. Remember, we talked about speaking in tongues. We cannot not talk about the government of God or the kingdom of God without talking about tongues because tongues builds up. It's going to build, it's, each one of these people need tongues. The apostle needs tongue to build himself up to do what God called him to do. 
The teacher needs tongues to build herself up. The evangelist, the prophet, and the pastor needs tongues to build themselves up for what God has called them to do. And she needs tongues too because even though she's called to a different mountain, she needs tongues to be built up to the judge that God has called her to become because there are going to be some challenges. There are going to be some situations. There are going to be some mysteries that she needs to pray out. There are going to be some spirits that she's going to need to, to, to tear down. Some, some walls in there, some people that she's going to need to uproot from where she's working at. She's going to need tongues in order to operate in all that God called her to operate. Amen? Amen. Amen. So tongues are for everybody. Amen? Amen. So you guys can put that those back in there. Chad, if I can get you to. Yes. Amen. So all of us can pray in tongues. All of us is called to a mountain of influence. So none of us, thank you, is insignificant. Some of us is called to the mountain of family, meaning that you're going to be the catalyst for your family to get saved. Do you not know how important that is? Are you an apostle? No. Are you a prophet? No. But guess what? You a child of God standing and interceding for your family. That is just as important as somebody being called to, to, to entertainment or being called to the mountain of religion. But the thing about it is this. You've got to come to get full. You've got to come to get the meal. You gotta come so God can begin to work all in you and through you. You gotta come to maintain the life. You gotta come so the gifts will start to be developed in you. So you will begin to know, okay, that's God. Okay, when I do this, okay, when I'm in this certain situation, when I'm in this circumstance, this is how I'm supposed to act. This is what I'm supposed to say. This is what I'm supposed to be praying. And you go back and you take that and you use that for your life. Amen? Ministry should be changing your life. This should not be a place that you come in to get a fix. We are not addicts. We're not in here no addicts. Oh, he spoke a good word yesterday. Well, what was it about? Um, um, how's it changing your life? Um, it's not. Well, my question is, are you in the right place? Because when the gospel is taught and it's preached to you, it's supposed to be a change. A change in your mindset is supposed to happen. A change in your life is supposed to begin. Now, the thing about this is even when we talk about change, this change is not all the time what you want to take place. This is God's will. God's plans. He has the blueprints for you, but you got to come and you got to learn. You got to learn his ways. You got to learn his voice. You got to learn, you got to learn his, his, the way in which he moves and the way he operates and the way in which he speaks. He speaks in so many different languages, not like the world. He speaks through dreams. He speaks through visions. He speaks through books. He speaks through the Bible. He speaks, you can be walking by and you see, and you'll see something, um, a headline or something, or you'll see something, um, a, a sign or something, and he'll be speaking right there. He'll have somebody to come up to you and say, you know, God loves you. They don't even know you. 
He always speaking. So let us stand. I'm going to go into prayer so we can close out the service. Father, we thank you right now for this message. We thank you that you are showing us, Lord God, how your kingdom operates, Father, how your government operates, Father. We don't want to just know knowledge, Father. We need understanding, Father, how you work and how you move. We need wisdom on how you work and how you move so we can move at the maximum capacity, Lord God, possible, Father. We don't just want to do something.